Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is Thursday, June 15th, and you are listening to Rocket City Lift. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Rocket City Lift. I'm Tara Bulger. And I'm Brett Goodman. And we come to you and try to bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. Today, we're going to start talking about some of the I am statements that Jesus makes in John's Gospel. But before we get to that, Brett, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, Tara. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, I, unlike how you mentioned last week, how you were enjoying the warmer weather, I just don't. <laughs> I just don't. And I you don't, should be used to it. I know, but it's like it's like it makes me sad. You know how some people get like seasonal depression disorder because mm-hmm. they like don't see the sun. When I see the sun and it's hot, I'm just like, ugh, here we go again, uh, and I just get sad. Um, it's, <laughs> but all that to say, uh, I'm doing well. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to send mixed signals here. But no, it's I'm doing well. I'm excited to. Uh, get to the lake at some point this summer and enjoy the water uh, because we do have some lovely lakes around here and uh, some wonderful church members who uh, offer up their little ducks to go Mm -hmm. swim on. So I just need to take advantage of that recently. How are you? (laughs) I'm good. As we are recording this, I'm getting ready um, tomorrow to take Hannon down to the University of Alabama for orientation. Um, I am... Looking forward to going to Tuscaloosa because there's a restaurant there I really like. Um, I'm interested in seeing what kind, of, what kind of food is this? It's restaurant? Italian, Ooh. and it's a, a chain or a franchise that started in Athens and Athens, Georgia, where we lived for a long time. And they have this one pasta that I love, so I'm going to eat the snot out of that. So I'm doing good. Um, getting ready to go see what Haney's new stomping grounds will look like. That's wild. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, is is um, have you have you been to the University of Alabama with Brian? Um, n- well, we've yeah, but not like out walking around on campus yeah. and stuff. Like we've done a driving tour of uh-huh. like his old stomping grounds yeah. and stuff, but yeah. not really. Gotcha. Uh, that'll be fun to yeah. see what he remembers. Oh, listen! All the stuff he remembers is like uh, not the most wholesome. So uh, <laughs> there are times when I look at him and I'm like, "Don't share that in front of the kids." <laughs> But uh, the spirit was watching over you, my friend. Yeah. Hey, have you seen the Holy Spirit at work in your life lately? You know, I had the most wonderful experience on Sunday of the spirit working through a church member that just moved me in in such a wonderful way. I haven't told you this yet, uh, but we had um, a couple of years ago. I did uh, conf- I taught confirmation with just an incredible group of kids. Your daughter mm-hmm. Ryan was one of those wonderful children. It was just a really neat group that um, sought to know God more and grow, and they and they grew really close to each other. And uh, and one of the young men, uh, and again, you know, that was two years ago, yeah. which is the difference between a eighth grade ninth grader to a sophomore junior is Big. immense. Yeah. <laughs> um, and one of them, who's going to be a junior now, came up to me, and I have been gone on family leave. I haven't seen him for a while. And he said, 
Oh, Brett, it's so good to see you. I've missed you. I said, I missed you too. And he's like, I've been praying for you. Wow. And I was like, seriously? That's amazing. Yeah, I've been doing a 20-day, 21-day fasting and praying challenge, and I've been praying for you every day. (laughs) It just meant the world. That's beautiful. To have a a church that prays for you is the greatest gift. That's great. That's really great. How about you? So I guess I've seen the Holy Spirit at work in that I've been trying uh, this hobby of doing more writing, and I've been trying to find someone who can help me with that because I want to get better at it. And I reached out to this person, and they just helped me and affirmed me in like the biggest way. And it mm-hmm. just felt like this really beautiful moment of, oh, I because for me, this writing thing feels like a calling. It feels yeah. like what God is asking me to do. Um, and so to have that kind of affirmed and then feel like I might be moving in the right direction felt very much like the Holy Spirit. That's lovely. Well, before we get into our scripture that we're going to discuss and talk about today, let us come to God with a prayer. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who is grace and love incarnate grace and love enfleshed that we can touch and see and know. As we read this story about Jesus, may we be transformed because we have touched love and we have touched grace. And we pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. So friends, in John's gospel, there are seven places where Jesus says, I am. In this passage, he says, I am the light of the world. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the different I am statements that he makes. But today we're going to begin with the eighth chapter of John's gospel, verses 4 through 12. The scribes and the Pharisees said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They said this to test him so that he might have some charge, so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the elders, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way, and from now on do not sin again. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Tara, in this passage of scripture, what stands out to you? You know, the part that like I spent most of my time on this morning is what is he writing on the ground? Yeah. Like (laughs) what's going on there? Yeah. And um, guess what? No clear answer. (laughs) Um, Yeah. There is an obscure scripture reference about writing the name of God's people in the mud. Maybe that's it. But most 
scholars seem to think that we don't know what he was writing, but it does show that he's pretty indifferent to the scribes and Pharisees. Yeah. He's not, you know, he's not really taking their bait to begin with. So that's the part that's first I was like, I have to find out the answer of this to move on. Mm-hmm. But what stands out to you in the passage? You know, I was obviously drawn to the same thing. Same Z's. Uh, same Z's. Uh, and I did found some, find something that was really fascinating. It's not going to answer the question, so just... Mm-hmm. Let me crush those expectations before we begin. Um, and it was really interesting that um, when it's talking about Jesus writing, uh, I'm sure you came across this in your research too, but you know, the writing with his finger, uh, the only other place we have in scripture of writing with finger is when God wrote with his finger the law on the tablets mm-hmm. in Exodus 31. Um, and the same way there's a, a Greek word, grapho is, is to write. That's all over the New Testament. But the participle katagrapho uh, is only here in this scripture uh, in the whole of the New Testament. And uh, the Septuagint, which is the Hebrew Old Testament translated to the New Testament into Greek, it appears again uh, mm-hmm. in that same passage. And so we have... He's rewriting the law. Rewriting the law in some way. Um, What he's writing, again, we don't know, but we see this connection to the law. Maybe he's just writing the law because... What what is the what is the law? Um, so the law in Leviticus and Deuteronomy says that if someone is caught in adultery, both parties should be stoned to death, mm-hmm. the man and the woman, mm-hmm. and it should begin immediately. Whoever catches them should start the stoning. Mm-hmm. So already you have the Pharisees. First of all, they're just dragging the woman in front of Jesus, which is wrong. Mm-hmm. That's not the law recognizes there are two parties. Secondly, they're coming and wanting Jesus to start the stoning when they should be doing it themselves if they're so convicted by this. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line is that they're not so much interested in the woman being stoned. They're interested in catching Jesus in going against the law of Moses because that's a charge that they could prosecute. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, Jesus turns it on the head, right, and challenges them back. Okay, if you don't have any sin, then you go ahead and do it. But mm-hmm. the law is very clear. They're not within the law at all. Mm-hmm. That's not what this is really about. Yeah, yeah they are using this poor woman as a pawn yes. uh, to, to, in order to catch to catch Jesus. Uh, I, adultery comes up, I think, three or four times. Um, and the one that I only, I did not look at all four of them, I mm-hmm. will admit that. The one I looked at, doesn't actually mention stoning. Does does nope. um, it? It just says that they will be put to yeah. death. Um, so it's interesting that um, they're rewriting the law in some way. They're doing like, a lot. They're 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 saying this is what the the capital uh, punishment. This is this is how we are. You know uh, how it's supposed to be, um, which is really fascinating. Uh, you know, maybe Jesus, as as we talked about, maybe he's just writing what the law actually is uh, yeah. uh, in order to point them back to this is how it's supposed to be, and you have enough help. Right. There's there's right. no justice That's, on he your turns end. Turns it on their uh, head. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that and it's just the other thing that stands out to me. Back to the first question. Uh, you know, we were talking about writing at the. You were talking about your call to writing. I mean, this is just one of the greatest stories. The the tension. And the the word everything about this story is perfect. I and think. it's not in the Revised Common Lectionary. Did yeah. you know that? That's yeah. crazy to me. Well, I think, and it's because uh, you know the the earliest manuscripts do not hold this I know. story, yep. and so um, which which is, but we can still. But it is a part of the canon. It's part of yeah. the canon, and um, and we can all see the truth of who Jesus is in the story, yeah. right? Um, and so I think uh, I think to your point that the Revised Common Lectionary has 
done a disservice in trying to like uphold this purity. Uh, I think that that preaching is robbed because this is just such an incredible story. You know what's interesting too, talking about the Trinity from last week is Mm -hmm. that um, this woman is an object for the Pharisees and the scribes, Mm -hmm. but Jesus enters into relationship with her at the end by, you know, absolving her of her sin, telling her, you know, that she's forgiven and to go and sin no more. And so Jesus also takes it from, this is just, you know, something we're trying to discuss to, I see you as a person, I speak to you directly. I, you know, enter into this relationship with you like the Trinity does. Mm But I think always the light for me is that Jesus allows us to see things in ways we could not see them before. Yes. And he does it by bringing more life and light into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, f- according to the Pharisees and the scribes, they want her life to end. But she leaves with more life because she has been absolved and forgiven. She's not condemned. I think that's really beautiful. I think that's so beautiful. And, uh, you know, um, <laughs> People have used that line, you know, uh, those without sin cast the first stone uh, as a way to not own their sin. Yeah. Uh, and and that's not what is happening nope. here. Uh, Jesus does not, uh, you know, say go on living as, as you have lived. Yeah. Uh, the light that he shines on her life and the light that Jesus Christ shines on our life is it exposes the parts that are broken and yep. and need to change and need to be redeemed. And so it's not just a laissez-faire, do whatever you want because we're all sinners. Mm-hmm. No, there still is a justice that, that we should seek to enact in our own lives and in the world. Uh, but, um, but that there is also, in, in counterpoint to that, grace uh, mm-hmm. and in the midst of all of that that is given by Jesus Christ yeah and I think Jesus is you know there's the C.S. Lewis quote which I'm getting ready to say a quote when we end I should have included this one but I didn't <laughs> think of it until now but C.S. Lewis has said I believe in Christ like I believe in the sun not because I can see it but because by it I can see everything else yeah and I think by the light of Jesus Christ we can see our sinfulness, which means we can also see our forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And that brings more life and light into the world. Absolutely. You but I'm going to end with a quote, with the quote <laughs> that much quoted uh, mm-hmm. words of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. That's a pretty good one, too. I'm glad you, it inclu- is. I'm it glad you included that. <laughs> Thank you all for being with us. We'll be back again next week. Now may each of you go out to love and to serve, to be well, to care for yourselves and others, knowing that the grace and love of God is ever upon you. Amen. Amen.